passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Cafe Hangout. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Tang. Welcome all to the Hangout. Beautiful. Lovely. It's snowing outside. It is. What better place to hide out? It's the nice kind of snow that it looks nice when you look out the window, but it's also not piling up, so there's nothing to shovel either. It's just kind of disintegrating. It, 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 that, that is the best time Melting would be the uh, appropriate term? Uh, disintegrating, I think, sounds a bit Destroyed better. Destroyed as yeah. soon as it makes contact with the cement. So it's a, um, it's a very Canadian day in this middle of February. It sure is. February. It's already February. We're pretty much mid-February now. It's not just February. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, so um, get out and and buy stuff. That's what you do on Valentine's Day. Go spend money. Because if you don't, means you're a bad person. It means you don't love your significant other, of course. You could make something. That's always a nice uh, Valentine's Day gift. Can make I something. suppose so, um, but you still have to buy things to to make something with. Here's what Valentine's Day is, okay? It is a challenge for you to remember that it's Valentine's Day. That's it. Just, just got to be a it? signal. It's a signal that this is the day that I am instructed to show my appreciation, show my love. That's what that isn't that all holidays. It should be every day if you're, you're a really right. great person, but. They designated February 14th to be the, the day upon all days. Do you have plans for Valentine's Day? Like, are, we, are other than watching SmackDown, if, have we decided whether, whether or not we're... I'm going out that? Saturday night, not not Friday. Okay, okay. Yep. So Friday is reserved for... Going out for dinner on Saturday. And then Saturday night, it's time for Parasite. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. Wow, okay. No. So that's that's on the list. I think that's that's always a great plan is to delay your holiday plans till either the day or a week afterwards. When when the whole crowd, when all the all the extra like your tables will be free, the world will be empty. Like that's February fifteenth. Every couple is just uh I guess they're they're over it. Pretty much, yeah. Even though it's a a perfect night to yeah. go out on a on a Saturday. So that that's my plan. Uh, conversely you, are you all settled into your house now? Uh, I would say beginning to, you know, we still have a lot of boxes to unpack. So I, I think my Valentine's Day will largely consist of that, you know, just cleaning up nothing, nothing, nothing too grand this year. All right. Well, you've been there now, uh, what, five, six days? Close to six days. Yeah. Close to six days. It's weird. It's weird waking up in like, it feels like I'm waking up in somebody else's place, you know, not mine, but that's, it just takes some getting used to a lot of like a lot of firsts. This is the first time driving from my place to your place, you know? And that distance was, yeah, a different commute. 
So a lot of getting used to. This is to. what people want to know. What is it? What was the commute like today getting here versus the uh, the old way? It was about twice as long, but I mean, before it was like two minutes. So now it's more like four, four, four whole minutes now. It was more like actually seven minutes. So. Seven. Jesus We're, we're still very oh close. Oh my God. Did you need a GPS or <laughs> oh Google Maps? Oh my God, this traffic. I couldn't take it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it. Yeah. It's wonderful. Here. Did you get a parking spot? Got a parking spot. Got a coffee. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. You had a ton to spare. You know, I, I, I do I do want to ask you. Um, Best coffee place in the... Dude, you could throw a rock and you hit a coffee place in this area. There's like 10,000 coffee places. Toronto is very abundant with coffee and good coffee places absolutely everywhere. But I did want to ask you, um, uh, have you ever... Uh, your doorbell doesn't work, right? Never. No. And it was, it didn't work from the time that you, you came We've in. We've never here. fixed it. It's never worked. So I tell, I'll tell you what, because like when I moved into my place, the doorbell didn't work either. In fact, there wasn't a doorbell. Like it, it did. I don't not. think. Do I have a doorbell? You do have a doorbell. I do have a doorbell. Okay. It didn't even exist. So we actually looked into getting one of these like Bluetooth doorbells. Okay. It's like a wireless thing. I'm aware of these. I got a story about one of those. Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, go I, ahead. I was going to ask you, have you considered doing one? Because we, we got one and it's now we have a doorbell. Okay. Is this because a friend of mine that lives out of the city, he has this app that <laughs> when someone approaches, there's an intercom in his house that just yells, motion detected. And then you've got on your phone, it links up to the camera so you can see who is at your front porch. Okay, I don't have anything like that. Okay, this, that's is, more of this a, is not that. a security system. Okay, uh, this is a security system. Yeah, yeah. That, this is more of a security system. Uh, that's not what you're talking so about. So what's the story, though? Oh, it was like he he was recording this, and these people were like on their way to a party or something. And they ended up going up to the wrong house. So he's like watching this. It's like these strangers are coming up to his uh, to his doorbell. And anyway, he was just tell- like to me, it's like that to me. I, I would not want to hear motion detected uh, throughout my house if I'm not expecting anyone. I mean, that's a little uh, that's a little freaky. It's just uh, eh, too much. I'm not even used to people knocking on my door. Like I've had like Amazon delivery men knocking on my door because I lived in a condo before. So like I didn't have to deal with any of that to just like watch TV and then hear somebody like coming in. It's, it was a little strange. So anyway, you got in. Okay, though, I got in. I got in fine. My my doorbell is me texting John. Hey, I'm outside. Yes. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to be joined by. Marcus Vanderberg, he's going to be knocking on the door, and we will we will answer it when he arrives. Uh, from Yahoo Sports, he was at the WrestleMania press conference earlier this week. To uh, we will get his thoughts on WrestleMania going back to uh, the LA market uh, to the new SoFi Stadium, which is still in the midst of uh, being completed. Uh, so we'll get his uh, live report of uh, going to the construction site mm-hmm. for the WrestleMania press conference. Plus, uh, week one of the XFL is in the rearview mirror. Uh, We'll get Marcus's thoughts on the revamped XFL and what to expect uh, this coming week as well. And whatever else uh, we chat with Marcus. His first time on the Cafe Hangout, uh, one of the kings of sport with Nate Milton. Uh, king of sport, a longtime friend of the show, a patron of ours from the very beginning, actually. So uh, I'm very happy to have Marcus finally on one of these shows. A lot of kings of sport content on the show on the network this week. Yeah, there's a great show up uh, from earlier this week with Way and Nate chatting about Black Panther. <laughs> I say great show. I haven't listened to it, but I, I've seen the feedback to it. It sounds phenomenal. I, I feel bad because like John, it's not like John wanted to uh, not be on the show. He's just so swamped. And then all these people afterwards are like, "How did I, I can't believe John hasn't watched this movie yet, man!" Blah blah blah. And I know that like the dude will watch it eventually, but he's just sworn with with stuff. So 
Uh, yeah, don't I, bother him. Everybody. I just had nothing to do on Tuesday. I just, I just sat back and I just sat in darkness because I had nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing to do. So the thing is, people really do care about your opinion. About I don't know movies. why. I'm, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I don't think I had a whole lot to it, but I will. Uh, you absolutely do. So. I'll do my best. I'll be back on the next one. For the next 10 minutes, though, we'll be taking your phone calls about anything that's going on in the world of uh, combat sports, professional wrestling, boxing, MMA. Well, not so much boxing. I don't even know why I said that. I'm so used to saying, like, professional rex- wrestling, boxing, and MMA from Fight we'll, Network. We can chat a little uh, Deontay Wilder, <laughs> Tyson Fury coming up on the 20 seconds. Sure. Uh, whatever you would like to discuss. Uh, sumo, judo, any sort of con- wushu, any hey, sort of combat one topic sport. I want to bring up with you, because I know we'll, we'll forget about it. Um, so coming out of the this past week... Uh, the commission in Kansas has announced that they're now going to allow open scoring for promotions. Like they can choose if they want to have it, they can make it available for certain fights and not others. What is they, that? What is open score? So after each round, you would know the score. They well, would the fight, release the fighters would know the well. The the fighters can know, the corners can know, the fans can know, the broadcasters can know, or you could like certain people. Anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. What is, what is your thought just about that in general? And they're going to do this on the Invicta card on March the 6th. It would be really interesting to see the reaction because, I mean, on, in a case like, you know, this past Saturday, the audience reaction would be massive once those scorecards were released between rounds. How would that affect the fighter's mentality? How would it affect, you know, coaches, obviously? Um, just the overall vibe of the fight would be completely changed. Because you would have had, after two rounds, it would have been like Jones won the second round on two scorecards. So you would have had two judges having the fight even and the other having Reyes up to nothing. Yeah, no matter what, I think, you know, it would have been a very vocal reaction. And how would that affect even a judge's, you know, um, ability to, like, watch the rest of the fight? I'm I'm 100% going to watch this Invicta card because I'm really curious to see. Like, we've seen it done in boxing. Uh, we've seen it done. Uh, Glory has done it as well. It's not like it's foreign to combat sports, but to mixed martial arts, this is pretty new territory. I'm, I'm intrigued to see it for all those reasons. Um, you are talking, though, about, you know, we, we are going to get bad scorecards. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're relying on humans, humans to score fights, it's that is going to happen. And the alternative of coming up with some like computer system to judge these, I think would be a disaster. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to do that either. So I, I'm curious just to see. I am hoping though that it's not a case of you're going to get judges um, that are, you know, if you see, for instance, like a you score around and you realize I got that one wrong. Mm-hmm. Is that in the back of your head? Like I owe this guy one. I'm going to be watching this next round with a favorability towards fighter B that deep down. I know I probably got that round wrong. Mm-hmm. Like there's all these uh, questions that could be brought up as a result of this, but I want to see it happen. And they're doing it on, you know, Invicta is a lower level promotion. See how this goes. There's clearly something that's not right about the system right now. So I think the experimentation to try to find a solution is not necessarily a bad thing at all. Let's go to the phone lines. Our first phone call. Caller, you're on the air. Thank you for waiting for a while. What's what's going on? Hey, hey guys. My name is uh, Tyler. Uh, first time caller from Brooklyn. Hey, Tyler from Brooklyn. Let's go. Uh, bear with me. I'm I'm still under the fever. So if I call off my bed, I'm sorry. No problem. <laughs> Yeah, I just want, uh, my question is, um, with AEW, it seems like everything is firing on soldiers now this year. Like, they had a problem with, like, the Nightmare Collective. 
but they quickly ended that. And most of the like negative, like even with the women's stuff, uh, as you can see with Nala Rose and Rio, that match was great. Mm-hmm. It seems that everything's coming together. Um, I'm seeing like NXT right now is, is not that much exciting. Like there's all this momentum that AEW's having, and it feels like NXT is just kind of going through the motions. Like even though like I'm sure Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole's match is going to be great. I'm really cold on the feud because I feel like I feel this would be a next step for Champa. Like he was the best heel last year, and now it's like I'm ready for him to go for that next step. And I feel like him just winning the title again is just like we're doing the same thing again. So my question is probably like, what do you think NXT can do to make it like exciting again? Uh, thanks, Tyler. Thanks, I think, Tyler. I, I don't disagree with some of those critiques of the NXT product at the moment that it is still very good wrestling that you're getting. Um, it To me, though, I, I was very happy on Wednesday show that we got those Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn spots, like where we got some some personality pieces with those two. We got them outside of just the arena and a show that is so largely done in the ring. Like we don't see backstage stuff. We don't get the level like look at Dynamite last night. There mm-hmm. was uh, there was a lot of wrestling on the show, but there was tons of out of the ring stuff with the promos that we were going over that you got from Britt Baker from Santana. That I think with NXT, uh, th- that's that's one area that not so concentrated on just bell to bell wrestling for two hours um, and, and kind of de- allowing some of these personalities to develop a bit more and. Also, I, I mean, it's not something where you can just snap your fingers and create that added buzz. AEW has it at the moment. To me, I think it's 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 always kind of cyclical in that um, sometimes one promotion will be really hot and catch fire with the storyline, and other times it'll just be a bit of a lull. And I'm, I'm I would yeah, I don't think it's it's crazy to say that you know NXT at the moment might be. Coming off of a, a, you know, I would say maybe still the high point of Survivor Series and, and then still ending up right now in a bit of a lull. Um, but it's not like it's at the point now where I think the show is worth abandoning. It's still a good, like, standard that is being maintained. It's just not the emotional peak of, like, you know, some of their best storylines in the past. And I think that'll just take time to build. Once you get past this takeover, once you get past WrestleMania, perhaps you can introduce a story as big as you know who attacked alistair black you know um beginning a a different type of rivalry i mean we're also entering like a different era of nxt though where guys aren't necessarily being cycled out the way they would have been in the past with the main roster like guys like champa and gargano they're going to be sticking around for a long time so you risk them kind of being a little bit stale if they don't evolve their characters so that's another challenge that i think they have ahead of them yeah i would say that um I'm curious to see, like, once we get through TakeOver on Sunday, and then you have six weeks to build up to a big TakeOver again, and are there, conversely, are there too many of these shows that they have to build to in such close proximity? Like, we got a TakeOver in November. For all intents and purposes, that December 18th show was, like, a mini big show for them with Rhea Ripley's win. Then it's to Worlds Collide. Then Mm -hmm. it's to TakeOver several weeks later, and now another TakeOver as well. I mean, typically when you have those shows, it's like they're they're big things to build to in a in a short amount of time. But it does feel like it's almost um, uh, to to me. It's kind of uh, I, I love this card on paper on Sunday, but to me the the feeling of well, it's been four months now. It's time for a big takeover. I can't say I have that feeling going into this. I think especially when you contrast with like what's going on 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 Dynamite and like something like the the Cody lashing segment, which. 
I, I don't think you would ever really see um, on an NXT program, at least not that, that mm. I don't know. It, it's, it's just a, such a different vibe being in such a bigger arena. And I think, you know, with that type of performance, um, it feels like what's going on in Dynamite feels in many ways a lot more grand. I don't know if that, if that's just simply the space or, or if it's because of like the type of storyline and the type of performances that we're getting. So if you compare the two, I, I, I do agree that I think NXT right now feels still, it's, you know, a little bit stagnant, a bit, a little bit smaller. Yeah. I think that there, it's, it's little things I think that you can uh, poke around at with, with NXT and realizing that, you know, this is, this is their lot at this moment with this product in comparison to AEW on Wednesday nights. Like these numbers are pretty consistent at this point of where one's going to do and where the other is going to do. And it's a clear distinction of one and two. We also saw, you know, the, the experiment with pretty Charlotte in there last week. Um, it, it helped. Wasn't a game changer by any means, though. Do you see them continuing that experiment and bring more guys in from the main roster? I would guess that in the lead up to WrestleMania that we we see a lot of Charlotte on NXT. And I could also see something where potentially um, if they have Shayna floating around, that Becky would show up mm-hmm. as well. And you could get something. Uh, you could even build up to a tag match uh, with, with those two or something going into WrestleMania. Um, if it can make sense storyline wise to put all those uh, pieces into uh, a match together but it would not surprise me if becky gets thrown in there as well yes for sure absolutely uh we're about to get marcus vanderberg on on the phone line but uh john and i will probably be getting into our nxt thoughts uh in a bit more detail a little bit on later in the show as well as this week's uh AEW nxt ratings when they come out at the uh at probably a little bit after four o'clock today. yeah plus we'll also do a preview of the takeover card that's happening on sunday night uh do you like takeover being on a sunday night I actually like it a lot. I actually like it a lot. It leaves my Saturdays, you know, free. Like I can go out on Saturday. I can go out on Saturday. Sundays typically aren't such a, you know, going out type of night. Um, and it's, I don't know, it just fits more of a, my wrestling routine, I feel, having wrestling on a Saturday. Um, or sorry, on a Sunday, but... I yeah, it's, it's a good experiment for them to try on the more traditional uh, wrestling night where uh, they will be... Going against, uh, I guess, XFL football, at least that, that 5 p.m. game will Ooh. be kind of their their lead-in. So you could watch XFL all day Sunday and then flip over to TakeOver. And we'll find out if that's going to be the the viewing pattern of our guest, Marcus Vanderberg of Yahoo Sports and the Kings of Sport podcast, who is joining us for the first time on the Cafe Hangout. Marcus, how are you? First time, long time, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's good to have you on the show. And I'm going to start there, uh, Marcus. How much XFL do you uh, anticipate viewing uh, this coming weekend for week two? I find the XFL to be the perfect play on the background while you're doing other stuff on the weekend. Um, I watched parts of, I think, three games last weekend. I'll probably do the same uh, this weekend, to your point. I'm probably not going to watch XFL over takeover, sorry. But, um, <laughs> it, you know, considering it's the middle of February, um, I think the one thing that the XFL is going to, well, it might not overlap too much with the All-Star Weekend this weekend for the NBA. And I think, you know, you mentioned the ratings, uh, maybe, pay, maybe possibly taking a, a dip. I think that would be the main reason why for this week. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great point with, uh, with, with that sports competition. But, you know, if, it, in terms of like the buildup to this return of the XFL, did you kind of anticipate this kind of um, 
this kind of feedback that the league would receive. Like, what, what did you think about kind of the building blocks for the XFL? They certainly took their time with two years of lead up. And, you know, largely the consensus seems to have been a pretty positive one coming out of week one. Yeah, considering how much time they took to lead up to this point, I was expecting a lot more publicity around week one, which, um, you know, I, I really didn't start seeing ads until the week of, which was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, I think the other thing that helps SFL is the bar was set so low from the first run that I think people's expectations were pretty mild and pretty tame. And the fact that you, you know, the football is not on the NFL level by any means, but I would call the football non-offensive. You know, you can watch it and it's still, it still resembles football where I feel like the first round of SFL, it, it felt more like a carnival. And then in the background, there's actually this football game going on. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, I think the, the, the biggest challenge this league is going to face is there are a lack of superstars. And until you can find a way to organically sort of build up one or two players um, uh, from action on the field, I think, you know, that's where the league will probably need to take that next leap. Were, were there many, uh, um, I guess, different innovations that, that were either retained from the original XFL or introduced in this new iteration that you were able, able to see, whether it be in production or gameplay? Uh, no, it even felt like, I mean, the rules are, are totally different. Um, and production-wise, it felt like the production, they were so far of, so ahead of things um, the first time around that there is nothing that caught my eye this, this past weekend, which, you know, is a bad thing. It looked like football. And I think sometimes you don't want to overdo it. Sometimes you just don't want to overthink it. Just mm-hmm. give us football, something that is familiar to people who are watching the NFL week in, week out. Uh, in terms of production, the, the, the most um, – the biggest thing I noticed was the introduction of gambling into the scoreboard, the lower third. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, promoted the line. They promoted the over-under. Uh, that's something the NFL would never allow uh, the networks to do. So the fact that they're taking this risk with the XFL is great. Uh, you know, I don't know what percentage people are betting on the XFL. Um, I think you, if you're betting on the XFL, then you you probably have bigger issues in, in life. If you're, you're betting on, you know, uh, players that you probably don't know, teams you really don't know. Um, but the fact that if you were to bet – you could easily track um, how your bet was doing on the broadcast was, was great. Um, so, yeah, and I, you know, I, I think sometimes less is more. And I think the XFL know that in terms of production. Philosophically, it just sounds uh, entirely opposite from the original XFL. Like you said, Marcus, it felt like the first iteration of it was a lot more, I think, uh, uh, style over substance. And here it's almost like they're stripping it completely back and delivering, you know, a very bare bones um, yeah, I mean, from all accounts, positively received football game. Yeah, and then even like sort of behind the scenes and sort of people might not notice, like they've really done a good job with diversity and inclusion. I mean, you have uh, women referees, which wasn't a thing in the NFL, uh, which isn't a thing now in the NFL. Um, you see a lot more minority coaches on the sidelines for these games. So little stuff like that where I think you would associate Vince McMahon as maybe this this man who's not – uh, the most progressive when it comes to to race uh, and gender. Uh, with this lead, for example, he's really found a way to maybe let Oliver Luck, the commissioner, sort of do his thing and stay out of the way. And, um, you know, I think that stuff should be noted. 
And if and if ratings like tank by week four, then you have the option that you can introduce the dream sequence where Vince McMahon wakes up and these first four weeks were all a nightmare. And now Vince McMahon's taking over with his 2001 vision. Oh, could you imagine? I, I was sort of I was going to ask you guys, I mean, in terms of the the lack of WWE influence, um, do you think we'll reach a point where if the ratings start to taint where you might see a Roman Reigns in the booth calling a quarter or I mean, they have so many former football players on that WWE roster that I think could naturally fit within the broadcast that it wouldn't be too jarring for the non-wrestling fan. But the wrestling fan might want to tune in to hear Roman Reigns. Uh, do you think we'll get to that point? I thought we were going to see more, more so the integration, especially on Fox last Friday night during SmackDown, because that to me would be the show that obviously this this XFL has been promoted at an arm's distance from WWE. It is a far cry from the first version where it was just plastered over WWF broadcast. So I would see SmackDown being the tool that I would try and integrate more of that promotion for. And the idea of sending some of your, your talent to these games, I, I guess that that's something you could potentially look at. But it does seem like there is a there is a strong uh distance between the two that's been done at some kind of strategic level if not outright with the uh with the Oklahoma pension fund uh kind of introducing this lawsuit as well that they you know clearly I I don't think they want to necessarily be married to WWE either so be interesting if they ever reach to that point where some of that crossover becomes uh necessary yeah you know I think I think the, the big thing for this league is make it to a second season and that's been sort of it's been one or done or last year in case of the, the AF it was halfway to one and done I think if they can get to a season two like this is going to be a success for for Vince McMahon and, and the rest of the company um and I think you know based on their first week they have a a decent shot I mean I think the money is not going to be an issue like it was for the AF so uh, assuming they can sort of keep ratings better than look, you know, if they're outdrawing NHL games on on the weekends. They're outdrawing most NBA games that you would see on ABC. So as long as they can sort of keep it in that level, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be much more interesting. Will be the numbers uh, this weekend and and week three. What what kind of audience they can sustain? Because man, th- there will be a lot of people happy from networks to gambling outlets to i mean even something local like bars that are going to get traffic post nfl that if this thing can have just a modicum of a following in comparison to the nfl and you create something akin to the cfl uh for the u.s market i think this will be widely viewed as as a success and kind of push those networks to want to invest in this thing longer that uh, i mean the whole goal of this is vince mcmahon how much money he has to put into this versus will there be a return on this at the end of when, when that money dries up yeah and i think more sort of on par with the ratings was the actual attendance numbers on site um yeah you know seventeen thousand is not a huge number but when you factor in it's february and you know half of the country is experiencing winter um those are not numbers to really sneeze at and i and i do think if the league gets really smart and sort of hones down on trying to market to families, um, to people who probably feel um, outpriced by the NFL to say, look, this is an affordable product. You can watch football. You can bring your family. I think they would have a decent shot of, of getting um, steady attendance numbers. 
Yeah, so it'll be very interesting uh, uh, to watch uh, coming up this week. Now, uh, you were busy this week because on Tuesday, uh, you got to go out to uh, SoFi Stadium. And before we get into uh, the actual uh, substance of the uh, the WrestleMania press conference, uh, can you just talk a little bit about uh, what you got to see and the the construction of of this stadium that from the pictures and videos, I mean, this thing just looks like uh, an unbelievable venue. Yeah, this is uh, this was my first visit uh, to the stadium. Um, I actually grew up right across the street from where they're building the stadium. So for me, you know, watching this football stadium sort of construct the way it is, it's been a long time coming. This isn't the first time Inglewood has sort of been in the midst for a football stadium. Um, it was supposed to happen in the 90s, and they were pretty close, and then things fell apart. So uh, as someone who grew up in Inglewood, you know, I think this this stadium is going to have a huge impact on on the city moving forward. As for the actual stadium, I mean, it is uh, it is ridiculous. It is 85% done. Um, in terms of the size, I feel like AT&T Stadium in Dallas is probably still bigger. Mm-hmm. But just in terms of the, the architecture of this thing and the way it stands out when you're sort of driving up uh, to it, I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal. Um, we got to... Um, walk into like the main concourse area, which is obviously sort of construction. Uh, that's where the press conference was. And the, the backdrop was the football field and um, on the field, which is still obviously under construction, they were in the process of setting up the scoreboard, um, which, you know, of course it's going to be this one of a kind uh, circular scoreboard that will be up and uh, up and ready this summer. So, you know, uh, in terms of the, the stadium size and, and seating. I know there's been talk about football maybe in the 70,000 range. I, personally, I don't see how they would get to 100,000. Um, just from what I could see, I mean, unless you really flood the floor with a lot of seats, but um, I, I think it's going to be, uh, there's going to be nothing like this in terms of a, of a football stadium and a venue. How much uh, media re- um, I- I- attention would you say this announcement has over, let's say, a SummerSlam uh, announcement in L.A.? I would say, I mean, obviously, more than SummerSlam, but I was kind of surprised there wasn't more media out on Tuesday. I'm not sure if that's because there was only 24-hour notice from the time you know we got the email that said this press conference is on Tuesday. Um you know, you had had your, your locals, Mark Ramundi was there, Ryan Satin was there, um, and you had a couple uh, local TV stations there, Arash Markazi, who broke the story from the LA Times, he was also there. It, it just didn't feel like it was this conference. Uh, that's not to say, you know, the WrestleMania card, I mean, this WrestleMania will have any problem selling out, because I think it will, but I feel like with Los Angeles in particular, there's so many things going on in this city that something like this maybe goes under the radar until it's actually time to have the card. Yeah. What, what's like, Marcus, you, you've been to, to several of these. And I mean, just in terms of the, the potential for tourists coming uh, for this WrestleMania next year, I mean, this has got to be kind of on the, the high end side. Like this is a tremendous location, I would say, for, for tourists to come and just all the accompanying shows that are going to come with a, a WrestleMania week. Yeah, and you know, if you're coming to Los Angeles, um, you should be warned that WrestleMania is in Inglewood, and the rest of the festivities for the WWE is taking place in downtown Los Angeles, which I would say uh, on a good day is probably 45 minutes away with traffic. 
Oh boy, um, God. Wow. Yeah, so I think I think that's going to be, especially how when it comes time to start booking some of these independent shows, I'm curious to see where they end up because you know Southern California is a pretty large place, and you can sort of label yourself as being, you know, having a show in Los Angeles when in fact it's not anywhere close to Los Angeles. So. Um, you know, in, in terms of that sense, I'm not sure how LA is built to handle all these shows. Um, the downtown area where, you know, SmackDown and Raw and NXT is, is pretty built up in terms of hotel developments and restaurants and stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be a trek on Sunday getting to the stadium. And I guess the good thing is, you know, you have a full season of football to figure out how people get to Rams and Chargers games, because I think that'll be key in terms of how people get to WrestleMania uh, in 2021. In terms, uh, was it officially stated that all, like a Hall of Fame, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, that that's all going to be at the Staples Center? Yes, that's official. And then the access will be in the convention center, which is next door to Staples Center. Um, so essentially everything will be downtown except for the actual Sunday. And then I guess I'll go back to Staples Center on Monday for Raw. Outside of football, like what what is uh, what are some of the features of this stadium that they're advertising, or sorry, like outside of the actual uh, arena itself? I mean, oh, within the actual building, yeah, yeah. Um, one interesting note is like forty two percent of the seating is considered premium, and I think that is definitely. And I I don't know if this is going to be one of those things where premium seating goes into effect for football games and for wrestling events. It's sort of you're on your own when it comes to concessions and stuff, but this is really going to be, I think one of those stadiums that caters towards a certain clientele, a certain VIP audience, a certain audience that has a lot of money to spend. Um, I haven't heard too much in terms of what inside the stadiums offering in terms of like concessions and experiences like that. But, uh, you know, do know that, a majority of the, the seats are either going to be some type of suite setup or some type of um, concession area where, you know, you have people sort of coming to you to take your orders and whatnot. Now, uh, in terms of uh, th- this past Tuesday, uh, any notable comments from, you know, whether it be Stephanie McMahon, Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, uh, people that were on hand there, what was kind of your, your vibe just from the uh, the media scrums that were going on? Yeah, I would say the actual uh, before the scrums, it was pretty standard. It was pretty short, actually. It was only 10 minutes of, of you know, Stephanie Mann speaking, the mayor of Inglewood, James Buck spoke briefly, um, and then a couple of people associated with, with SoFi Stadium. Uh, as for the scrums, uh, I think the highlight was Becky Lynch selling her net fight, which I sent you the photo, John. And what you couldn't see in the photo is I could see behind the bandage, and there was some type of blood back there. So I don't know if she's working. <laughs> She's working blood on the Band-Aid, too, or if she actually was sort of cut or bit by Shayna and sort of was absolutely bleeding. But I thought that was a nice little touch either way. Maybe, um, maybe she had like a really bad mosquito bite or something and said, hey, guys, I got an idea. And we, we got our <laughs> angle on Monday. I don't know. I would love to know the, the, the fascinating behind the scenes of that that angle. Uh, I will say just seeing some of the uh, responses, Stephanie McMahon was in peak robotic corporate stephanie mcmahon mode i mean she is like she's barely human in some of these like interactions she has these answers like you are not you better wake up pretty early in the morning to get something past stephanie mcmahon because she is ready for any question yeah she is uh it's not my first time interacting with her but you know it's sort of like a a challenge and i think becky 
on the the character side is the same way. She doesn't break character much. So trying to get a actual answer out of her is a bit of a challenge. Um, the same way it is to sort of get a, a non-corporate speak answer out of Stephanie. Um, You're Roman a good person was, to Roman ask, Marcus, great. about that. Like, does that... Does that hinder certain media coverage or do you think that like the, the non-wrestling outlets that are covering an event like this kind of take this at face value that this is WWE, these are characters playing characters or like I've always maintained that I feel that like there's there's a level of media out there that they just don't want to bother with stuff when it's just it, it you're, you're not going to get uh, a lot of substance. You're going to get Becky Lynch in this in this form, for instance. Yeah, I think for me. Um, it is a, it is not ideal if you're, if you're set up, if you're set up with this interview and you're getting someone who's only in character, that is not great for what I need to do. Um, and I think Roman was a good mix. Like Roman was definitely, um, playing Roman Reigns on some sense, but I think for certain guys like Mark Ramundi, he knew that Mark knew his stuff and he would maybe sort of, uh, take more time with his answers and sort of break out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might have he might have asked Roman the question about a possible Rock Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania 37 next year, which I, I think because of the size of the stadium and, and the fact that it's in LA, um, it, it feels like if the Rock has one more match in it in him, uh, this would be the time and place to do it. Or do the Hall of Fame next year, or 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 both together? I mean, the yeah. the match obviously comes with the difficulties of you know with whatever projects he has going on, the physical aspect of that. But Hall of Fame to me is like if there's a year to do it next year makes a lot of sense, and also kind of you know a year from now that could actually be like the on-screen introduction of Simone Johnson as their you know she's obviously going to be someone that they are going to promote as this kind of like prospect and the the fourth generation from the family as well. And maybe that's your, your way to sort of get the rock out of a match doing real stuff. I mean, have her team with his daughter and she does majority of the work. He does a, you know, hot tag and you sort of call it a day. But I think on on some level, whether it's hall of fame or a match or even appearance, I think we got to see the rock at WrestleMania next year. I did love the back-to-back answers from Roman Reigns, where he was asked about facing Goldberg or the fiend at WrestleMania. (laughs) And he said how he'd like to face the Fiend because he's about guys that are in the locker room and building these guys up. And the Fiend's put all this work into this character. So that would be his preference to face the Fiend at WrestleMania. And then how about the Rock next year? Down to do the Rock. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's family. It's man, man, the man sees money. He sees much more yes. money in a in a Rock match than, I guess, a Goldberg match at WrestleMania. Uh, what have you thought so far? I mean, we have uh, over you know a month and a half to go, but the uh, the initial uh, building blocks for this year's WrestleMania, what have been your impressions coming out of the Rumble? It feels a little flat overall. Um, I'm going to WrestleMania, and I'm excited about going to WrestleMania, but in terms of a what the card might be on paper when it's, you know, April. Uh, it feels like it's a little down from, from previous years. Um, you know, I, there's still obviously a lot of time for that to change. Um, I think they're doing a good job with Drew McIntyre, actually. Yeah. I was someone who was a little skeptical when he won the Rumble in terms of, you know, can this guy actually, uh, you know, carry a main event or be second to main on, on a WrestleMania card. But, um, I think so far they've done a good job of sort of building up as a babyface and as a legitimate challenger against Brock Lesnar. Do you feel like we see any change in terms of length of show? I mean, again, coming off of 
previous iterations of WrestleMania in recent years, to me, that is the chief complaint of all these shows. Not anything that's on the show, but the, the, just the sheer um, uh, quantity of hours. So I know there was that chatter after after the investors call about maybe the company sort of selling off the rights to WrestleMania. Um, if if that meant having a strict time limit on WrestleMania, I would be all in favor of WrestleMania moving to a Fox or to another OTT that actually has a time limit. Because to your point, like it's it is a drag to sit through these shows, and you know I don't want to be a, the, the person who complains about oh WrestleMania is no fun to go to in person, but I am really concerned about, you know, going to Tampa in April. Um, that is going to be not a, a cool environment. So, you know, when you're sitting out in the sun for four or five, six hours, it does take a toll on you. So um, I, would all, I would be in favor of a two-hour pre-show, a four-hour main card, and just cap it at six hours and sort of call it a night. And, you know, it's, it, it's not the streaming platform that I would – I would guess would be the potential landing spot. But I mean, we've seen the effect over the last year that ESPN plus has had with the UFC. And I mean, they, they make those shows quick, like the ESPN plus exclusive shows. It is like fight, 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 fight. Like they are, are not dragging stuff out. And it's to me a much more digestible UFC product that, you know, they, they would have cards. I mean, they still do that can go hours and hours and, it, w- it would be very curious, the point you bring up about the potential of WrestleMania or other big pay-per-views landing on another service if they kind of want to steer the reins and make it a more uh, compact show. I think that would do a lot of good. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think I would be curious if they, if they got to that point where they sold off to ESPN+. Plus. I would be curious about the price point of like what they would try to charge for a WrestleMania considering it's been since here since they've had to charge a full price in theory i mean you can still buy wrestlemania on pay-per-view but those numbers are probably pretty small uh you know would a fan want to spend 50 dollars to order wrestlemania this year when they've sort of been accustomed to getting it on the network for 9.99 a month uh probably not um and then the question becomes would the would wrestlemania end up on the network after let's say 30 days you know would people just sort of wait or find other ways to watch the show so I think, you know, whatever decision they do make, they need to probably uh, think really carefully about sort of outpricing their audience who might not be uh, accustomed to spending the money again. Uh, last thing for me, uh, Marcus, was at the end of uh, Kings of Sport, I thought you, Nate, and uh, Chris from L.A., you guys had this fantastic discussion about Kobe Bryant. And I thought all of you guys brought up some, like, really fascinating points. And I just wanted some of your thoughts about um, – you know, being where you are, I mean, have you ever seen such a response to a celebrity passing? I mean, in your lifetime and what is kind of the mood? I know that's a kind of overarching question, but uh, this many weeks later, um, the impact of just the, the news coverage and those that have been really affected by uh, Kobe Bryant's passing. I think the closest comparison would be Michael Jackson, which... Uh, it was 2009, yeah. and I was back in Los Angeles for that one. I sort of remember where I was when I read the news. Um, the thing with Michael, though, died, there wasn't um, the same sort of negative reaction when it came to his accusations um, that sort of came up in his life, the way the Kobe Bryant stuff opened up pretty quickly. Um, you know, I, I think 
it is part of his story. And I do think if, if Kobe Bryant were still alive, he would acknowledge, like, you know, if you're going to tell my story, this is a huge chapter of it. And it's not something that you can sort of just erase from history. And that's, it feels like, and maybe it's just because people are grieving or people are still trying to come to terms with his death. But it feels like there is this revisionist history of what Kobe Bryant experienced and went through with this um, this rape allegation. So uh, the mood in the city, it is, um, it's still a little weird. Uh, you know, his impact, not only in Los Angeles, but across the world, surprised me a little bit. I thought, you know, figuring LA, of course, he would be a huge story, but just to hear some of the stories across the country and across the world of, of his impact and how people were grieving his death um, surprised me some. So, uh, you know, I think it's always going to sort of never be real just because of the way he died and how it happened. Um, and, you know, during the, the press conference, someone did ask, like, hey, uh, does the WB have any plans to sort of acknowledge Kobe Bryant next year at WrestleMania, which I thought was a little soon to ask the question, but I think that just shows you, like, the, the sort of impact he has. I mean, Kobe had no association with WWE. He was never, you know, mentioned, or who knows if he was actually a fan, but it feels like any sort of big event now, if you're coming to Los Angeles, there's going to be sort of like this pressure to sort of acknowledge Toby Bryant and sort of his life and everyone else who died in that in helicopter crash. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Dana White ex explained, you know, the fact he was an investor in the company, but that's how they kicked off the pay-per-view on Saturday was having a, a moment of silence for all nine of the the people that, that passed away. I mean, it's just um, an, uh, such an enormous story. And I really enjoyed the discussion that the, uh, the three of you had at the end of the show. I definitely encourage people to check out uh, the Kings of Sport and uh, and all of Marcus's uh, great work. And Marcus, where can you uh, direct people to to check out uh, the Kings of Sport, your work at Yahoo, and anything else you'd like to mention? Uh, yeah, kingsofsport.com. We have a episode, as John mentioned, uh, with Chris Ely that came out earlier this week. And uh, Chris, Chris barely made social. it to this show. I mean, man, but at the the sound of him at the beginning of the show, I didn't think he was going to make it. But what what a trooper! Yeah, Chris live from Las Vegas, who was in, in the middle of. Uh, Hangovers. Um, you can find me on social media at Marco Will M A R C O W I L L. Why? Why are you at Marco Will? I've always wanted to ask. <laughs> so I had a, a friend in high school who um, called me Marco, um, which I guess was her version of Marcus. It was just short. And then William is my middle name, so I just sort of combined uh, the no two way. like way back when. You, yeah, you and I are connected. Mark. Oh, same middle name. Oh. William all the way. Yeah, so I, I sort of combined the two, and it's been one of those names I've had, or one of those three names I've had for years and years now. Man, all right. Well, it's listen. It's shorter than typing my full name. It, that would be pretty obnoxious to have my my full name as my Twitter handle. So I settled on Mark Well because it's a little shorter. MWV. There you go. The man himself. Well, Marcus, uh, thanks so much for jumping on with us. And uh, we'll, we'll see you down in Tampa, uh, WrestleMania I'll week. I'll see you guys in Tampa, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Marcus. That was Marcus Vandenberg of Yahoo Sports. And uh, do check out uh, the Kings of Sport. Good friends of the show. Great friends of the show. Uh, Nate Milton and Marcus Vandenberg, who uh, do a great job. And, uh, and Marcus, also a, uh, a, fa uh, a father. To young, father. Sim young Simba. Yes. Yes. That is right. Yes. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines right now. All right, let's do some calls. 
This person uh, had to call back because we didn't have time for him earlier, but now, now we have now plenty time of time. Our man Neil, what's going on? I don't mind. That was a that was a perfectly lovely conversation there. I was just listening to um, Marcus, very interesting guy, lots of insights. Um, Way, I'm very glad to hear the worst of your move is done with. Um, I've been there myself. It can be a lot to deal with, even when you feel like you don't have a ton of stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah. Neil, you sound like a guy that just has endless friends, though, that would want to help you help you out. Like, do, do you have one enemy in this world? Um, enemy? Well, there was one person in work I, I, I didn't get along with very well once, but uh, that's the only person I could think of. Clearly, <laughs> clearly an issue with them, not with you, Neil. I can't imagine anyone oh, oh, having a crossword with you. I absolutely can promise it was an issue with them. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, wait, I hope like me, you'll find unpacking a lot easier than packing. Certainly. Uh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Just a, just a couple of quick observations. Um, something I ordinarily wouldn't have paid a great deal of attention to, certainly this time last year, was Tuesday's All Japan show. Yeah. Um, I watched largely because of the special post-pro-res, uh, John, that you and WH recorded after attending the All Japan show in early January. I believe you were visiting relatives at that point in, in the trip way. Yes. Um, it was a, a really excellent show, uh, particularly the two singles uh, matches toward the end, the junior heavyweight match with uh, Francesco Akira and uh, Yokosuka. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and here would F these, these names up. And the triple crime match with uh, Miyahara and Ayo Yagi. I'm going to sit and going to give a yeah. go at that. You Yuma Ayo Yagi. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to Post Perez later this week to hear your thoughts, John. Have you seen it yet? Yep. Yep. I've watched uh, the show. So we'll we'll be going over that on, on Friday's show. But uh, what, what did you think overall? Is someone maybe uh, newer to the All Japan product and a follow-up from last month's uh, Corican show? What did you think overall? Very, very good indeed. Yeah, I mean, nothing below three and a bit stars, I would say. And and as as I've already mentioned, the those two singles matches stood out for me, um, and the tag the, and the tag championship match as well. I'm still a neophyte to the to the promotion, so I'm not that familiar with the uh, storylines or if they really have them even uh, or some of the characters involved, but. Um, just uh, in ring action wise, uh, uh, really terrific. Now, yeah. now's a really good time, like to jump on. Like you've got their, their next Corkin show is in uh, March twenty third, and they're going to be doing Kento Miyahara and Suwama, and then that mm-hmm. takes you into the Champion Carnival, which is a great jumping on point just to get into the tournament. That that's kind of the the story for their from April until May fifth. And they've got some really interesting names in the carnival this year. Uh the big one being Harry Smith, who uh for, for years I thought this guy would be such a great addition um to the all Japan heavyweight division. And now it looks like he's he's coming in. Uh Takeshi yeah. Sugiura is coming over from Noah. And then you've got your stalwarts like Miyahara, Shuji Ishikawa. Um it, it should be a really Really good tournament. They've got some young, upcoming uh, prospects that, uh, to me, are uh, even beyond prospects at this point. Like kind of your next wave of guys, like uh, Naoya Nomura, mm-hmm. Jake Lee, who was uh, who was on sh- the, the show on Tuesday. Like they they've got like a lot of great building blocks that uh, I think they're all Japan could have a really great year coming up with uh, you know several tweaks and some guys really catching on with the larger public. Definitely, yeah, and they've cert- well, they've certainly caught my attention lately. Must say, 
Um, and I, also just a way I would like to say that yours and Nate's Black Panther review was really excellent this week. I mean, you were missed, John, don't don't get me wrong, but who better to step in uh, than Nate? Uh, and his episode of Thunderstruck last weekend was also awesome. But John, I expect the next MCU <laughs> MCU review to be about four hours long or so, as you have to give your extensive thoughts on Ragnarok and Black Panther at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how homework. you're going to manage it. I don't know how I'm going to watch all these movies, but I will, no, uh, I don't I will try. Uh, just a quick question to finish, if I can. Um, any plans for you guys to go to Wrestle Dynasty or D- Dynasty in in, in August? Um, obviously, it's hold on a second. The card. For, for, first of all, this the, that in itself you just brought up, I think, a really uh, an interesting point of contention. Do you say Dynasty or Dynasty? Dynasty is how it's pronounced in the UK and Ireland. Yeah. Oh, is it? Chris uh, Charlton was asking about this on Twitter this oh. week, and it was like a dead tie. Oh, really? oh I, I've never heard Dynasty before. It's it's a it's a European, I guess, North American yeah. thing. If you look up um, in a in a British English or a UK English dictionary, you know they have those little pronunciation codes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is meant to be pronounced dynasty over here. Although the TV show was <laughs> was dynasty, dynasty <laughs> to a lot of people, yeah. So that is weird, but uh, yeah, and and the the the. Um, I guess, and this is—I'm giving away my job as a, as a, as working with language. But the, uh, the, um, yeah, because who else would know how to read those little descriptor things next to well, definitions? Yeah, I did. I did have to learn to do that. The the uh, the adjectival form would be dynastic, with a die. So <laughs> I yeah, asked I, the right guy, evidently, about the the proper pronunciation. Hey, if I don't pay for dynasty. my bill, am I going to be accused of a uh, din and dash? <laughs> Jeez. Well, uh, oh, the pronunciation we will we will leave to the experts out there. Uh, in terms of going to it, I would say highly unlikely given it's SummerSlam weekend, so that's already a pretty packed weekend going on. Although not as packed as last year when we had uh, yeah. SummerSlam here in Toronto with the G1 mm-hmm. finishing that weekend. I mean, could you imagine uh, a Russell Dynasty? I, I mean, at the same time. Uh, well, Jeez. they couldn't be doing both at the same time, but uh, right. you, you catch my drift. Yeah. Although uh, I, I do hear from, uh, from up next that Braden and Davey are considering oh. going separately. To both different shows, Braden, to, to take over and Dynasty. Braden might be going to to Dynasty, and we're we're adopting Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, Dynasty is way more fun to say. <laughs> so I hear. So, so yeah, yeah. You, you'll be saying it's uh, oh god, we're past that time, but you would have been saying it's half eight twenty five minutes ago soon. Although that's four, isn't it? Uh, way. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Pro- uh, unlikely perhaps, uh, but who knows things, things may always change by the time, uh, uh, the summer comes around. So thank you for the call as always. Neil. Thank you, Neil. Nice to hear from you. Thank you guys. Take, Take care. care. Some quick thoughts on NXT way. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I thought it was a good show. Um, I think like, you know, our previous caller said, perhaps, um, not as hot of a show, not as must see of a show at the moment. Um, I enjoyed Cole Kushida very much. I enjoyed the. I liked it. That break in the middle is is starting to drive me nuts. I, I think it really hurts the the flow of the match. Can't. I mean, it's TV though. You yeah. know, can't really do with without it. And like, um, I, I do like start to feel that the commercial breaks, the picture and picture breaks, are a lot more missable in NXT than they are in AEW. It feels like they are just like yeah. We didn't have pattern. an interaction between Nyla Rose and Kenny Omega during the picture and picture, which run. I saw a clip of actually yeah. today. It was really not that much. Well, it right? se- it seems like the vibe is that Nyla Rose has kind of like taken over the women's division, and yeah. they're all 
like it, it they even paired like Britt Baker with like the other with the mm-hmm. other characters there as I'm well. Sure it was just whoever was backstage. Yeah. Uh but, that but, was such an awkward moment with Tony Khan there. Was it not? It was awkward because I think Tony Khan himself is a bit of an awkward on-screen performer, and he probably realizes that. But it was just more meant to show that, like, you know, the promoter to going, congratulate to, the going to shake the hand, yeah. and the champion has wants nothing to do with him. And I found it interesting that like, Kenny was really just, to me, like, positioned in that there to 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 seem like the overseer of the women's division, which he on-screen, to me, to my knowledge, he hasn't doesn't really, play that hasn't been show. acknowledged as as that person. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of the story. It's like the division versus Nyla Rose is yeah. kind of what I took from that. But uh, getting back to NXT, the uh, the the Matt Riddle Pete Dunn um, segment, I think they were really interesting in theory. Oh, you didn't um, like them? I didn't love them. I really didn't. And actually, uh, I I very much echo um, uh, Braden's thoughts on it. In that, like, I think they they work. The, the the idea, like you said, there is great. I love that they're. I think they need more it. of that stuff on the show. I guess in execution, it just like. I don't know. Like the corniness of it works for something like a uh, like a final deletion. Like I definitely did also sense like a lot of Jeremy Borash type of footprints. I don't know if it was him or if it was somebody who you know kind of has a very slimmer style. But like it, the awkwardness of I think the the trans the cuts between the two cameras, it felt very kind of like low rent high schoolish, which works for something like a final deletion. Might actually work well for this as well, but didn't really hit for me. Yeah, I, I, I just I really love the idea of like just getting away because I feel like this has largely become like a meat and potatoes wrestling show, and I want a variety to that. I want to see different stuff on the show, character stuff. Um, so I really like the idea here. I really didn't. I think these two are really fun together, yes. and it's w- without these two, I think they would have just been you know they're thrown into matches and mm-hmm. stuff. So I think this has done um good for both of them. Um, going into this weekend. Um, beyond that, we had um. Angel Garza, Leo Rush, they have just phenomenal chemistry together. And we set up, you know, we set up a lot of matches for next week's show with Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong, Jordan Devlin defending the Cruiserweight title against Leo Rush. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, those were the two. There was a third match as well um, that they set up. Um, anyway, but in terms of like the go home show setting up TakeOver on Sunday, we had Ciampa's promo mm-hmm. in the auditorium where he a year ago had to hand over the title and relinquish it. And then the stare down with Adam Cole after he beat Kushida. Yeah, for me, it's very much a show that I think is already built on paper. Um, less so, I think, in terms of with the storylines that are going into it. What I'm really interested to see is what happens with the main event. I, I can't really tell who is going to win that particular one. My gut tells me that they wouldn't um do this match again you know and if you don't do it again i think champa has to win because i think to for champa to just fail would really i think hurt hurt him so and i think like cole has done enough with this particular run put the belt on champa maybe put him against somebody like balor or could it be gargano yeah it feels that champa should win the title unless you have such a great idea for him to extend it to WrestleMania weekend to win it there. But a rematch, though, I don't. See yeah, it. I think like you'd have to come back with some big stipulation. And I think at this point, the idea of Ciampa winning and then he gets to go into WrestleMania weekend, which he didn't get to do last year. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's that's the way you go about things. So who do you see between Gargano and Balor? You would theoretically assume that the winner of that goes on to challenge. I mean, maybe you just go back to Chomp and Gargano, your plan from, from a year ago. 
I think it's a big enough match. They've Certainly held, they've held it off. Yeah. So that two would are, be the time to do it. They're way bigger stars now. They're totally different characters. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think you could end TakeOver with, like, the stare down between the two. Like, go off the air knowing where we're going six weeks from now. Balor versus, like, Chapa, I think, would be a big match, too. So, um, but I, I personally, like, I kind of like Gargano Chapa. I, I think just the, the way WrestleMania, or the TakeOver ended last year, where Chapa, remember, he came out with Gargano after he had won the title. Mm-hmm. And then we go one year later, and Chapa's got the title. Um I like that direction a lot for for Tampa. Um, Then we've got Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly against Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. This is going to be outstanding. I think this is going to be a fantastic match. And, I mean, you could do the story of, like, the Undisputed Era is just falling apart. They lose all their titles. Mm -hmm. Um, Riddle and Dunne certainly have something at the moment. Um, Could be a time to do that. And after watching that main event last night, I really hope they... they, It's not just a throwaway match on TV. I really do want to see Kyle O'Reilly Kushida again. I do too, absolutely. Kushida's yeah. been there a year now. He did have the injury yep. in there, um, but to me, like those two, um, just each other's best opponent. I agree. I agree. Um, I think hopefully, it, I don't. I don't know if he'll, he'll really have a spot on the Mania card. Um, Kushida. Yeah, I just like. I don't know if there's enough time to get him hot enough for for a role like that. I, I kind of see his time like being after WrestleMania once all your other storylines are kind of wrapped up. But um, I think the story of the undisputed the prophecy, you know, being fulfilled, and then subsequently them losing everything else, uh, that's compelling to me. The the titles are going to be on people that I think are are in great positions to take that spotlight. Um, what do you think of uh, Roderick Strong versus Velveteen Dream next week? Um, I think. Did you like the segment this week? Ah, uh, do you like the story this week? I think the people are into it. Um. I didn't think it was like the. I think it works for Velveteen Dream. I I wasn't like over the top about like it, it in terms your of wife an angle. And children. Yeah, it just seems like it's a very. Um, it is. It, it puts Roderick Strong in a much more uh, to me sympathetic light. This guy going after going after your child. It's pretty crazy, but that at the same time they're getting away with it because look at the audience reaction. You know, people know that they're supposed to hate Roddy, so they're hating Roddy and. Um, Velveteen Dream is just getting cheered because he's he's I don't know he's doing like wicked heel shit. I think that's though he's he's popular though to that crowd at Full Sail. Mm-hmm. Like they are all in on Velveteen Dream as a larger uh, story. I don't know how much this lands with Velveteen Dream. I, I think ultimately Velveteen Dream is I mean he's a tremendously charismatic performer. You have leeway that you can get away with uh, with him as well. And I would say for his his first match back. You couldn't have a much better opponent than Roderick Strong for mm-hmm. next week uh, to build this up. Yeah, absolutely. So that that should be uh, – it'll be a good test to see Velveteen Dream with, with Roderick Strong. And just – they were very uh, – they did a lot with Bianca Belair on Wednesday night, like yeah. destroying Santana Garrett and then laying out Rhea Ripley. And I think that was all to just put the seeds of doubt into Sunday's outcome that I think everyone sees as Ripley winning a hard-fought match. But she gets the win and yeah. – um, and then we proceed with Charlotte. NXT has had to deal with a lot of kind of awkward timings, you know, in co-promoting their takeovers along with whatever the main roster and the WWE are trying to set up with their own people. Uh, but I feel like they 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 were, as a result, paying special attention to Bianca Belair to make sure that she would do, she didn't get lost. And I think they've done a, a, an amicable job. Like, nobody... 
I, I don't know. I don't think at all that she's she's going to be winning. You know, I don't see a three-way at WrestleMania. I don't see anything like I'd that. I'd see Charlotte and Bianca on TV. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah like, that's if a good you, idea. I sure. would want it. Like, the whole point of this program is a spotlight on NXT, and Charlotte is the person we're going to use. Uh-huh. So, to me, she's got to do a match or two in the lead-up to WrestleMania, and Bianca Belair would be at the top of my list. At the same time, though, it means she's going to have to lose against Rhea, and she's probably going to have to lose against Charlotte as well. Well, that might be her role, is putting these two over. I mean, mm. that's that's kind of when you're building up a program, there are those people that have to serve as the, the building blocks. Yeah. I think Bianca Belair having a competitive 15-minute match with Charlotte... On the main roster or NXT? On NXT. On NXT. Hmm. Does that help her, though? Or would you say having Bianca Belair versus Charlotte on Raw... I think I think it's the story that she's, you know, Bianca Belair is at a level, but it's like she's not at Charlotte's level yet. Right. And she's not figured into a main match. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those two are. Are you, uh, I, I think that it'll be a great match. I, I don't know if it's a, it's not a match result that I think, you know, is, is in any sort of contention. I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't even classify it as a hot feud at all. But um, I think it, it would be a solid match. I really enjoyed the Mark Henry video talking about Dijak and Keith Lee. Um, Because that's what they do. Great use of Mark Henry. Uh, You have just so many, like, retired wrestlers who are just just great talkers that I think would be great for roles like this, talking about current storylines, gets you interested, makes you feel like even if, like, these these legends are paying attention, then they, they must be interesting matches. So I thought it was a great idea to put him as sort of like a almost like a, a forefather of like that that size of wrestler. Yeah, I mean that's another one on this card. And just as w- rounding things out, we we mentioned Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, Keith Lee and Dijakovic for the North American title, and then a street fight between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. I will say when Tegan Knox showed up um, after the Candice LeRae match with Dakota Kai. Man, there was no reaction to her showing up. And it wasn't until they separated them that we got the requisite let them fight chant. But it was it was shocking to me just how little response that got. It's a feud that I think has, you know, drastically cooled down in in the weeks since um that that war games. I also felt like it was a bad decision to give like Tegan Knox the win in their initial match, if they're gonna get to this anyway. Why did they do that? I think that, you know, you there was that gap like this. The turn was Survivor Series weekend. And here we are in February. That's not the longest time, but it's not like this has been this heated. They focus of television built on that segment uh, on that rivalry. You know, it peaked at that time. And I would just say it's kind of, you know, been spread pretty thin. How do you expect we've got six matches? I mean, th- there isn't like a dead match on this show. Mm-hmm. There isn't any kind of buffer match. Uh, what do you think about it just in terms of keeping the crowd up? This is going to be a longer takeover, you would you would imagine, with yeah. six matches and all of them requiring some sort of time. Well, uh, Davey suggested on Up Next that they do some of these squashes like they, they, they would often do in previous takeovers when, when they announced so many matches on a card. Um but I, where, where would you do that of these matches? Hmm. I, I really don't statement. like that idea for, I would say, for any of these. I think there would be Let's such a letdown this. if Lee and Dijakovic was anything under 15. Mm-hmm. If Kai and Tegan Knox just being a street fight, that's got to that's yep. gotta go long. Colin Chomp has to go long. I mean, you could do Riddle and Dunn just stunning the tag champions. Um, but again, mm-hmm. I think all these matches have been built up that I think you'd get a lot of dissatisfaction for people if they didn't get the match at the end of it. It's it's true, but I think that's also a sacrifice you make. You know, we went through the same thing with uh, what was, who was it, Riddle and Ono. I mean, people were disappointed, but you got it on TV the next time, and it sometimes might be worth sacrificing in order to make that statement. 
Well, we will see. This um, on paper, this is one of those cards that it, it looks excellent, and it'll just be a case of um, how the crowd takes to them, and uh, being in a in a market like Portland, um, how well it draws as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm looking forward to this show. I think this is a like a really really solid card on paper on a Sunday. I feel like I have actually a bit more incentive to watch it. Live, not not so. a very busy weekend either. Yeah, I mean, there's a UFC show the night before, and wrestling wise, I mean, it's um, it, it's it's more quiet than most weekends. We have people that have been trying to get on the phone line, so we'll try to take as many calls as we can before uh, the NXT AEW ra- uh, ratings come in. So let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, caller, thank you for making it on the air. What's uh, what's on your mind? Hello, hello, hello. Stop, man. How are you? I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, you made it. Wow. Oh. How are you guys? I'm very well. We're, yeah. we're better now that you've called in. Oh. High praise. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Phil, I, I just wanted to call and say Phil Chertok owes me an apology for that. Uh, my Reyes pick last week. Well, Dominic Reyes lost. All three judges uh, agreed. Not in my eyes. Not oh. in my eyes, bro. Well, your eyes aren't as important as those, those three judges. I mean, uh, you are you saying you disagreed with Joe Solis? I disagree. Yeah, absolutely. Joel Solis more than more more than Solis. Come on, a joke. You know what? Ridiculous, Brandon, man. <laughs> Brandon wrote in the chat room when you guys were talking about like all Japan. He said, "Is it post Perez? P e r e z." Is it like Carlos Perez in a <laughs> Okay. Uh, you can't throw lines at Brandon like that. It's it's gonna, especially at the beginning of the call. <laughs> What's your question, Brandon? Are you in favor uh, of open scoring, of... Brandon? Oh, no doubt about it, hundred percent. I'm I'm up for anything experimental with MMA and, and their officiating. I mean, especially with that uh that judge knows who's basically texting instead of instead of uh, was probably following your uh your uh your uh Twitter uh account during that fight, John. Uh, instead of paying attention to the fight. Well, what, what, the one that Joe Rogan pointed out that was pretty ridiculous. How did you find the commentary but, uh, on on Saturday night? I, I, uh, Dominic Cruz is awesome, man. That guy's a savant when it comes to uh, the fight game and whatnot. Joe Rogan, uh, he's kind of conflicted in his views, but I'm not. I'm not really a big fan of of, of Rogan. I think he's kind of aged badly on the mic. But uh, yeah, Dom Cruz is awesome, man, uh, and whatnot. But. Uh, I was calling. Uh, I was curious about John Jones. His last two fights, he had, I mean, his defense looks outstanding. Yep. But uh, I mean, he's, he's he's not the same. He doesn't have the killer instinct like 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 he had before. You know what I'm saying? That like if he fought Israel Adesanya, I think Adesanya finishes. I think he does better than uh than uh, Dom Reyes. Uh, Dom, yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? I, or, I, or is that a bridge too far? Uh, no, no, I don't think it is. A week ago, I, I, I don't know if I would have been as comfortable saying that. I think after watching him on Saturday, I think that John Jones has received more criticism maybe than, than necessary for that fight on Saturday. But uh, you're you're not wrong. Like if you're looking at uh, where John Jones was, you know, three or four years ago versus now, I, th- I think you can certainly see uh, changes to just the... Um, his offensive game, the, the like the changes in like how much wrestling you see him doing in fights at the moment, but the guy has been able to be offset by he can take a, he can take a shot and his his defense is still like he has t- tremendous defense and I think that that helped him a lot in some of those flurries from uh from Reyes, but I would say now um 
if I'm Israel Adesanya, I know he has this long-term plan of fighting John Jones. I think you could make that fight a lot sooner, and and I think it'd be a very competitive fight now. I know he's got a tough fight against uh, Yo Romero. Uh, Yo Romero is no slouch, especially, I mean, that guy's cheating time with his age and whatnot to look like that. But, uh, yeah, I think Izzy Izzy's, Izzy's is the future of that uh whatever division he wants to be. He's the future of the UFC. That guy's got a great personality. What would you and like to see? Can... What would you like to see from John Jones next? Is it the winner of the Saturday's fight? Is it the Dom Reyes rematch? Is it moving elsewhere? Like what, what do you see as realistic for John Jones uh, this year? Do you think the Reyes rematch makes money? I don't know if it would be an enormous fight, but that's the fight I really want to see. I agree with you 100%, but I was just curious. Like, I mean, I know the UFC is about dollar and cents and uh, whatnot, but I mean, I would love the rematch, but I don't know if the people are really clamoring for it. Like, like the biggest value now is John Jones at heavyweight. I think you could pair him with almost any heavyweight at the moment, and that would be intriguing enough seeing John Jones in a, in a new weight class. But I would say that, you know, that, that also comes with, you know, if he moves up to heavyweight, he's not going to be dealing with guys that have better conditioning than you know, most of your, uh, than a John Jones, like his conditioning, I think significantly helped him in those later rounds. You move up to heavyweight and save for a Cormier or a Miocic. I think most of those heavyweights, uh, they're, they're going, they're going to fade as John Jones gets into those, those later rounds. I'm shocked he doesn't use his wrestling anymore either. Uh, I mean, he tried against Reyes, but I mean, and, those weren't takedowns, by the way. <laughs> I don't care what John Jones says or whatnot. I mean, if you look at the unified rules, I mean, those aren't takedowns, but whatever. But um, in last week, he didn't use any any wrestling, and that's his bread and butter. He's, his ground and pound is as lethal as anybody. Yeah, and we saw that in the Tiago Santos fight as well. I think that's that's definitely a trend now we've seen with his wrestling. One question real quick, and I'll get out of here. One more. Uh, Jeff Cobb, that that video his uh, for uh, – Whatever the his inset promo for his pre to pre I, I, that was awesome, dude. Uh, I love that. I was just curious what what's his what's his uh, deal? Is is he fully in AEW? I know he's got select. He's still got some dates with, with ROH, but uh, what's up with that? I mean, I was just curious about that. And uh, I'm out of here. Peace. All right, thanks a lot, Brandon. Yeah, um, I, I have reached out about this. Um, it sounds like from um, Dave Meltzer, Mike Johnson have also reported that he is not. As of as of now, signed a deal with AEW, meaning that he would still be a free agent. That he doesn't have a contract uh, anywhere. Um, I haven't confirmed that myself, but that would lead you to believe. I mean, those are two very credible reports. Then that he hasn't uh, signed yet with AEW, which is an interesting strategy for AEW to go about mm-hmm. deciding to do kind of this uh, program with someone that you don't have uh, don't have a contract with and. If he's just coming in, uh, I would say if you if you don't have a deal locked in, I think that makes next week's outcome a lot easier for you to you come up with. So. I would not be putting him over Moxley if I did not have a commitment from him. Would you bring somebody like Jeff Cobb in just to lose on a TV show, though, for one week? Man. I mean, they must feel very strongly about this particular guy coming in. For Cobb, he must see it like, you know, I, I this is great exposure for me. Um, to lose on national TV? Potentially. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think, like, the idea of losing a match, it's, it's like, harms your uh, marketability. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for him, he's probably looking at it that, hey, I'm I'm kind of the uh, the talk of wrestling today that I showed up on AEW unexpectedly. I'm going to have this big match with John Moxley on, on TNT, and that increases my 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 value. So I, I think that it, 
you know, if this match gets over really big, I mean, that probably would would steer him in the direction of of looking at AEW. But he is still set to do um, a bunch of shows, WrestleMania week. Um, he's, he, him and uh, Dan Moff just won a Proving Ground match uh, against Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham on Sunday. So that sets up an ROH tag title match. So he's... He's got, I mean, that, that's, none of these companies can be upset about this. The guy is a free agent and he's free to do whatever he would like. So you can't be um, uh, upset that he's going elsewhere and, and whatever he's doing. That's his right to do. Back to the phone lines now. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? It's MJ. Hello, guys. Hey, MJ. Nice to hear from you. Phil doesn't owe, Phil doesn't owe anyone an apology. He went four for one in the picks he gave out in the chat last week. He made me money. I don't know what Brandon's talking about. We're joined here by the star of Uncut Gems, uh, MJ here. Um, I actually think Cobb should win because I think it sets up the program between Cobb and Moxley in May when Cobb might not be a free agent anymore. I don't know how many dates he's got lined up all the way through Double or Nothing. That's a lot of um, faith, and then I wanted- though, from AEW to have him beat, you know, you're arguably your top babyface right now on the promise that if, you might if, sign. If, well, I... Uh, on the wink wink promise, maybe they already have something worked out and he's got to fulfill these dates. If Mox is going to win the title, I don't think it hurts him at all. Um, I do think bringing in guys and then beating them right away, it doesn't send a great sign to other talent to want to kind of take this chance to work with AEW. Um, but that, that's just my two thoughts on that one. I had a question about the takeover. Um, and, and then I'll get off the air and I'll listen to you guys on the air. Do you think this NXT women's match, the, the one that Charlotte's going to be part of, takes place at takeover tampa or at mania proper and could you see them going with cole and diy in a three-way to try to tie in all three of those kind of two-year feuds um that we've seen so many matches and that would be a way to kind of get all three together and have the potential of diy teaming up diy turning on each other and kind of making that the main event of tampa and uh looking forward to seeing you guys down there cool thanks Thanks a lot mj um uh, that's a it's a interesting idea the idea of having uh, the three way uh, with mm-hmm. Cole and Ball because Cole has to be in something prominent. I you, see a three way more likely for that than than the women's program. Um, yeah, you could definitely do that. I think it would still be pretty interesting. I don't see Charlotte wrestling at a takeover. I don't see Charlotte not re- being at WrestleMania. You know, Charlotte Rhea Ripley. No, me neither. I think that would be it's, a, she's the Rumble winner. Yeah, I, I think that would have to be at WrestleMania. I would think so too. It uh, doesn't mean that she won't have a presence at the takeover. I mean, I, I, it doesn't mean Rhea Ripley won't have a presence at takeover either. So, um, but that particular match, I, I see being at WrestleMania. So we have AEW did eight hundred and seventeen thousand viewers uh, with a point three zero in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. NXT did seven hundred and fifty seven thousand viewers with a point two four. So AEW was a uh, tenth in the night in the demo. NXT was twenty first. Okay, a bit closer this week. Yeah, this was um, uh, compared to last week. AEW did 928 and NXT did 770. So uh, both were down, AEW more so than NXT. NXT dropped from 770 to 757 and AEW dropping from 928 to 817. Okay, cool. Very cool. Uh, Let's go back to the phone lines for the rest of the show. Caller, you're on the air. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Hansi. What's up? Um, Yeah, no, I I just want to say... I like the addition of Jeff Cobb. I don't know. Uh, I don't. Know, it, I just hope they don't add more inner circle members because I mean they're gonna start becoming like you know NWO kind of. But I mean I I, I didn't mind it, but 
I think the way that they can get out of of uh, you know having maybe a clean winner um, instead of doing interference or anything like that because they have emphasized you know time limit draw. I mean, I'm not saying that's like the best case scenario, but I mean, if you're not going to have um, Jeff Cobb win, you could have like a, a time limit draw where like you know people still want to see the fight because no you know it's an unresolved match. And my two questions would be. Um, Listen, after seeing MVP on Raw, I, I'm a huge MVP fan. Like, you know what I mean? I'm a real huge mark. Um, who would you guys like to see him manage if he's still going to manage? And the second question, and I'll let you guys go, is how many matches do you anticipate being um, uh, on WrestleMania from NXT portion? Like, Do you think there will be a couple of title matches? Like, I think the NXT title, ma- NXT title will be defended at Mania, and I, I think it will be Gargano and Ciampa. I'll take your comments off the air. Uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Hanzi. I mean, that's if you were going to do that, I, I think it it could be something where you could do Cole versus. It would be tough. You could also do. You could also break it up where it's Gargano and Ciampa on one night. And the winner faces Cole at WrestleMania, like and the du- two du- former du- best friends have to compete for that WrestleMania spot. Um, yeah, mm. like sort of similar to like a Wrestle Kingdom double gold dash type of thing, where yeah, where the winners go. I mean, you could do that. My personal feeling is that I think this year, I mean, given how bloated WrestleMania is anyway, I feel like they will put all the NXT title defenses on NXT, with the exception of Rhea Ripley versus. Charlotte, um, which I do see being t- taking part at WrestleMania, um, that's that's my my sense. I I think to have like you only have so many hours of TV content and so many belts that you have to fit on anyway. I I I see less reason to like you know have two NXT title defenses across the two nights. That doesn't mean I don't see integration of NXT talent um, into WrestleMania in itself. My hope is that it's something a lot more substantial than just something like the Andre Battle Royal, however. Like, if it's something like, oh, put Keith Lee in the Andre. Well, oh, I guess yeah. Keith Lee can win the, the Andre. I guess it would be something significant for him. But if it was like, you know, like putting, um, I don't know, um, Tommaso Ciampa in the uh, uh, Andre Battle Royal as NXT champion or something like that, that would be really disappointing. I'd rather them not be a part of it at all. So um, I see integration, I but I do, I can't really see like two NXT title defenses across both nights. Yeah, I think it's it, it's I'm expecting it's going to be a cluttered card, and I don't know if it necessarily makes a whole lot of sense to to fit in an NXT title match unless it just they feel they want to have both titles. I mean, there is a strategy of you are making them feel on par with your main roster by having those two titles included. At WrestleMania, but it would make sense if there wasn't already a takeover taking place before. Well, that's that's the other part here. It's like they they are trying to serve a, a lot of masters right now. I, I, don't, the, I don't think a Worlds Collide would, would would cut it for WrestleMania weekend, for instance, like they did no. the Royal Rumble. Like, I think they're already doing that with the w- women's belt by having the World Rumble winner and Charlotte go after it. So that means, you know, that is in some people's eyes might be even above some of the other uh, Raw and SmackDown women's titles. I I. I mean, to, to try to do the same with the NXT men's title on the same show might be just a little bit too much for me. Um, we are going to be uh, going back to the phones in just a minute, but uh, just in terms of the, the the demos here, just looking at them. Um, NXT actually gained. Yeah, in week. some of them here. So they, they won over 50. They topped uh, AEW by 
uh, just slightly in women 18 to 49, and they tied with females 12 to 34 as well. So All right. um, more more closer in some of these demos than most weeks, where it's usually just the over 50 audience that NXT wins. Okay, cool. Uh, back to the phone lines now. We go to B Detroit. Thank you for waiting patiently. Uh, no problem, guys. Um, I was actually just listening to uh, Rewinded Dynamite, and I um, <laughs> actually heard you guys kind of shitting on my comment, but it was okay. What was <laughs> your I comment? Expl- I didn't explain myself. I just said it was a 6 out of 10 show. It was just fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't enjoy Dynamite as much. We weren't shitting well, on it. Well, we, do tell us. We wanted to know why you, why you um, I guess, didn't rate this a 10 out of 10 like so many of these other people did. <laughs> well, um. It's just um, actually I actually watched it again in um, highlight form. I think I overreacted a little bit because it wasn't that bad of a show. It wasn't a bad show at all. The wrestling was fine, like always. Um, some things I did have a problem with, which is like every wrestling show I watch. Like, come on. But you know, it's just um, I think it's too many hills in AEW. Everybody's a hill. Everybody that's new coming in is a hill. Um, I really like Jeff Cobb. I'm a big fan of Jeff Cobb, um, except that uh, G1 performance last summer, but that doesn't mean anything. But <laughs> I wanted hmm. to see him stay in New Japan for a while um, because I think he had some more work to do there. But yeah, it was like Jeff Cobb coming in the hill, Sammy Guevara losing to Dustin, which I think uh, Vince's booking would have actually worked last night because, you know, Guevara going over Dustin in, at home and Guevara never wins. So I think Vince's booking would have actually really benefited Sammy Guevara last night. Um, just some minor things I just didn't, I had a problem with, but you know, no, sh- none of the shows last night were perfect top to bottom. Yeah. I think I was nitpicking a little bit. I think <laughs> the, the wounds were still fresh and I was just nitpicking. Well, we just wanted to hear uh, your perspective, oh, yeah. especially if it's different. I, I, we welcome the discussion. I mean, Definitely. I, uh, you know, is it, do I, do I necessarily also like agree that NXT maybe has too many heels? Um, mm-hmm. as far as new introductions, perhaps, you know, anytime they, they introduce a, a, a name, it tends to be, I suppose, like, uh, somebody that is opposing a major baby face, but it's like, yeah. that's, isn't that just, you know, um, serialized television, you have your hero go up against new challenges every single time. And we have our heroes, we have our established set, whether it be, you know, between a Cody or a John Moxley, uh, or the Bucks or Riho. And they beat one challenger, and then in comes somebody brand new for them to face. Isn't that just you know epidemic of like a storytelling? Yeah, I mean it. It essentially turns it into a uh, a um, CW superhero show, but you know that's just how things go. But when it comes to Jeff Cobb coming in, then like the Butcher Bunny and the Blade came in, their heels, and they're both job or the Butcher Bunny, but they're jobbers now. But I just don't want Cobb to lose next week. He's already booked against Mox. Um, the Lucha Bros have a tag match next week. Are they going to lose? Like, it's so many questions I have. And I think that might have teared my judgment of the whole show. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for uh, for your thoughts, as always. We always appreciate the feedback. Nope. Oh, yeah, you guys have a good one. Take All care. right, you too. Yeah, I, I would say, like, just on, on top of that, it's that, you know, some of the baby faces that, I mean – have really hit in mm-hmm. in AEW. Like when you talk about the the like the key ones being Cody and John Moxley, but Riho, I mean Dustin Rhodes. I mean, yeah. granted Wednesday night was you know in in Austin, Texas, but mm-hmm. I mean that guy was just so universally loved. Um, you've got some great undercard acts and Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Boy together. That and and then you have like your nucleus, like your Bucks in there as well with, with Kenny Omega that we haven't even uh, brought up. So um, to me and 
And you have, to me, one in Ray Phoenix that whenever they want to, you know, flip him, like, I just, I I can't imagine that guy being um, put as a heel in in the current role he's in now, because Mm -hmm. I just think he is, he is someone that I think it's just, he is a victim of the timing right now. Like, there isn't, like, a dedicated uh, program at the moment for Pentagon and Phoenix um, that it's just a numbers game at the moment. Yeah, I think for them, especially, it remains to be seen, like, how they'll be treated as characters and what type of storylines they'll be creating for them. Um, I, I definitely, I don't see them winning next week, heading into the pay-per-view, but um, I see, you know, could it be a case where they do a draw for that match and sets up the uh, the Lucha Brothers as, you know, challengers for whoever wins after 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 a revolution? I'm not sure, but um, I, I think... Well, I'm most interested to see how they they treat them as personalities, how they give them personalities, how they you know have them cut like eh, substantial promos in front of an audience, if that's even one of their things. Uh, somebody also mentioned Bobby Lashley, who we, who or, or sorry, sorry, who uh, MVP, MVP, and who we wanted to, and I had Bobby Lashley on the line it's on fine. the line because that to me would be a great pairing with those two. And I mean, yeah. yeah, we are going back to just they they were so great together in Impact. He was just such a great mouthpiece for him, and that to me was. The first time Bobby Lashley to me connected as like a main event star, it was through, you know, the group with him and Kenny King and MVP being that that mouthpiece for him. I mean, the the segment I always go back to is where Bobby Lashley is just uh, running on the machine and he's got the title backwards as MVP just cuts a promo. It's like mm-hmm. these guys were just fantastic together mm-hmm. and uh, would be a great benefit because Bobby Lashley, there is not a, an ounce he has gained from this program. No, none of those three, to me, no. are are any stronger today than they were before this program. Well, I mean, I guess in a way it's helped Lana have some presence, but I mean, that's not necessarily selling a ton of tickets, I would probably say. I just find them in like very you know, stagnant positions at the moment. All right. That's going to bring an end to the cafe hangout. So thank you to Marcus Vanderberg for joining us as well as your calls. Uh, Just a quick look ahead. We're going to be back with post Perez on Friday with WH park and Dylan Fox from the Eastern Lariat podcast that drops on Friday, Friday night, waiting our, Wei Ting and I are back for patrons with Rewind to Smackdown, the Valentine's Day edition with Otis and Mandy Rose going on a date. And then Saturday, it's a brand new Rocky Maya via picture show with Nate Milton uh, reviewing Fast Five with the crew from Too Fast, Too Forever. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, we have Thunderstruck with WH Park and guest Will Cooling. And then it all ends Sunday night with Braden and Davey with a post show after TakeOver Portland. So lots to look forward to this weekend up at postwrestling.com. Thank you to all of our patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com. And that is it. For Way, I am John. Thank you for watching and listening. Thank you.